Welcome to another episode of the Dongfang Hour China Space News Roundup. I'm Jean Deville, joined as always by Blaine Curcio. This week, we discuss how commercial launch is moving into the Wenchang Launch Center. We discuss how Tianwen-1, the Mars orbiter from China, is shifting its orbit. But first, let's talk about the historic spacewalk performed by the Shenzhou 13 crew over the past week. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dongfang Hour. Please make sure your seatbelt is securely fastened. The Shenzhou 13 crew composed of taikonauts Jai Zhigang, Wang Yaping, and Ye Guangfu, who have been on board the Chinese space station since October the 15th, performed their first EVA last week on November the 7th. Now, EVAs, or extravehicular activities or spacewalks, uh, performed by the Chinese on the Chinese space station are starting to be sort of a routine with two having been performed by the previous Shenzhou 12 crew over the past six months. But there are some interesting things to note with this third EVA, so let's get into the details on that. First of all, there was really some historical significance to this EVA, and the two taikonauts that performed the spacewalk were Jai Zhigang and Wang Yaping, while Ye Guangfu stayed in the control center of the Tianhua core module. Jai Zhigang is the first Chinese astronaut to ever have performed a spacewalk. That was back in 2008 as the commander of the Shenzhou 7 crew. And this was back then again, this was really a historical moment. And there was sort of a flashback moment over the past week with this new spacewalk because as Jai Zhigang stepped out of the multi-docking nod, um, his first words were, <laughs> I've exited the space station. I feel great. And these were the exact same words 13 or 14 years ago. So there was sort of a flashback moment. The effect was probably very likely intended. Uh, now, the second point is that the second taikonaut, Wang Yaping, this was her first EVA, but perhaps more significantly, this is the first time that a female taikonaut, Chinese astronaut, has performed an EVA. So this was uh, reminded multiple times on CCTV, the live stream, and this was a new milestone for Chinese crewed spaceflight. Now, more on the objectives of the spaceflight. This uh, spacewalk lasted 6.5 hours, and the objectives uh, were to install the systems to enable the two robotic arms of the Chinese space station to operate and to work together. Now, just some background on that. The Chinese space station's core module, the Tianhe-1, has a 10-meter-long robotic arm that we've mentioned before on the Dongfang Hour, and it's extremely useful to help the Taikonauts during EVAs. It can move heavy equipment around, it can move the Taikonauts around, it can monitor the outside of the space station with the cameras that are embarked with the manipulator, it can help spacecraft and incoming space uh, station modules move from one place to another. So definitely a very important arm. But there's also a second robotic arm that we mentioned much less frequently that will be sent into space with the Wentian experimental module next year. And this robotic arm is shorter, around four or five meters long, and both robotic arms can operate separately, but they also can be combined into this super robotic arm that will be 15 meters long. But to enable this, uh, two additional systems 
are necessary. And this was the whole point of the EVA of Jai Jigong and Wang Yaping. So firstly, both of these robotic arms cannot interconnect directly. There needs to be an adapter or a joint between the two. So that's the first thing that was taken out during this EVA. And the second one is a suspension system because uh, as mentioned, both robotic arms can work together as one big arm, but they can also operate separately. And this is why a suspension system or a Xuanggua Zhuangzhi was installed on the small cylindrical module of the space station by the Shenzhou 13 crew during the EVA. Because when the adapter is not being used, that's when the two arms are operating separately. Well, this adapter is just installed on the suspension system, which by the way, is a powered system. So overall, that was the first month of the Shenzhou 13 crew, their first EVA. Then they'll be on board the Chinese space station for another five months for a total of six months. And this is the standard duration for all future Shenzhou missions. And I believe this is also the standard stays for astronauts on the ISS. Among the remaining tasks during the upcoming five months, they will use the robotic arm to move the Tianzhou 2 from the front docking port of the multi-docking nod to one of the side docking ports. They will test also controlling the robotic arm remotely. They'll perform one or two more EVAs. They will do space sciences experiments, which is unsurprising for a space station. And apparently they will also have the long awaited second live science classes taught by Wang Yaping and live streamed, you know, to the ground to lower school and middle school students. And this was something that Wang Yaping had already done when she was part of the Shenzhou 10 crew in the early 2010s. So uh, that will probably also be a highlight of the Shenzhou 13 mission. So uh, Blaine, yeah, some very cool stuff going on with the Chinese space station this week. But let's not forget the launch pad that launches uh, this uh, most of the space hardware into space, uh, which is the Wenchang Launch Center. You want to tell us a little bit about that or just before that, any thoughts on the on the spacewalk? Absolutely. Well, yeah, just uh, to your point earlier, I mean, it is impressive how routine these EVAs are starting to become, or at least, it, you know, it, it would appear routine. And it's just uh, the complexity becomes you know, less and less apparent, I guess, as China and also as the ISS continues to um, to just do more more EVAs and having more people in space. So fascinating times for human spaceflight. But yeah, going down to Wanchang, big week for Hainan uh, Island and for Wanchang and also for the commercial launch company, iSpace. Um, so a couple of announcements from, from iSpace, one of which having to do with Wanchang, we saw on Monday of this week, iSpace signed an agreement with the Wanchang International Space City, which includes the establishment of a wholly owned iSpace subsidiary, in Wanchang, the deal calls for the establishment of a wholly owned iSpace subsidiary in Wanchang to cooperate with the city on the development of medium to large scale rockets with the potential for reusability uh, and potentially reusability by landing on sea platforms. So a couple of points to unpack from this story. So first, a short review of Wanchang and Hainan Island. So as we've mentioned on previous episodes, Hainan Island is a island province in the southern part of China, and it is home to the Wanchang Space Launch Center or the Wanchang Hangtian Fashachang, uh, which is the newest and southernmost of China's four launch centers. The southerly location of Wanchang makes it ideal for larger or otherwise geostationary transfer orbit launches. And as a result of this, up to now, the launch site has been home to China's heavy lift rocket, the Long March 5, as well as the Variant 5B, and the Long March 7, which is China's geostationary transfer orbit workhorse, and the Long March 8. And so to now, this relatively limited applicability of these relatively small number of rockets has meant a small number of launches taking place from Wanchang. So the launch site opened in 2016, and since then we have seen less than a dozen launches occur from the launch site. 
Now, granted, this launch cadence is definitely increasing as we're getting things like the Chinese Space Station, which requires the heavy, uh, heavy lift Long March 5 or 5B. Um, but again, at the end of the day, if we're only using very, very big rockets or otherwise geostationary transfer orbit rockets, it's unlikely that Wanchang is ever going to see a very high degree of utilization just from this, these, this source of demand. And so this brings us to the agreement with iSpace. So iSpace is one of China's leading commercial launch companies with ambitions for medium to large scale reusable rockets and with a track record of doing a reasonably good job of delivering on these ambitions. The company was the first Chinese commercial launch company to successfully orbit their rocket when they launched their Hyperbola 1 into orbit in July of 2019. They have failed on the second and third attempts of the Hyperbola 1, both of which occurred in 2021. However, during this time, they've also continued to make progress on the Hyperbola 2, which is a larger liquid-powered rocket that they expect to launch as early as potentially next year or 2023, if my memory is correct. The agreement calls for iSpace to develop medium to large-scale reusable rockets to be launched from Wanchang. And as I mentioned earlier, they also mentioned landing the first stage of these rockets on a sea platform. Uh, and this is a change from as recently as last year's China Commercial Aerospace Forum, or the CCAF, when iSpace showed a video of their Hyperbola 2 first stage landing on land. And the change makes sense in the sense that Wanchang and Hainan, it is a launch site right next to the sea, whereas China's other three major launch sites are it would be very, very hard to land on the sea if you were launching from Jiuquan or uh, or Xichang, as it were. Um, so again, interesting change of, of, of strategy here from iSpace, it would appear, and having a first stage reusability uh, with the potential to land on a sea-based platform. And digging a little bit more into Hainan and Wanchang and what this might mean for the local space industry in the province, as we discussed on previous episodes of the Dongfang Hour, uh, Hainan province is what we would call a free trade zone or an FTZ. And this provides significant incentives for things like international trade or value-added manufacturing in the province. And this may provide benefits not only for companies like iSpace, but also for non-Chinese companies that are looking to launch on Chinese rockets, whether iSpace or otherwise, from Hainan Island from Wanchang Launch Center. For example, you could imagine a non-Chinese company shipping a satellite to Hainan and potentially having some manufacturing value add done on Hainan, which would be done at basically zero tariff, and then they could launch from Wanchang. So an interesting example of a commercial company, launch company coming into Wanchang and, and potentially trying to take advantage of some of these uh, free trade zone incentives. Um, I would also note that the Wanchang International Space City is one of 11 key projects, or Zhongdianyuanshu, uh, or like key park, kind of industrial park, um, that is part of the free trade zone. So there's a significant degree of provincial government support for this Wanchang International Space City. And so again, looking at iSpace, you know, partnering up with this International Space City, it is an example of a Chinese commercial company partnering with a provincial government or a provincial government entity, as it were. This week, we did see a second update from iSpace. This was announcing the conclusion of the investigation into the failure on the 3rd of August, 2021 of their Hyperbola 1 rocket. This investigation took more than 100 days and involved investigations on more than 40 individual events during the launch, 10 verification tests, and two fairing separation tests, which ultimately the, the rocket launch did fail due to a failure to uh, separate the fairing. The ultimate cause of the failure was apparently a piece of silicone rubber that got stuck and that prevented the fairing from separating. So uh, I guess an example of space being very hard in the sense that you had more than 100 tests, and, or sorry, more than 40 tests, more than 100 days, just to find this piece of silicone rubber causing the failure. But it appears that they have finally gotten to the bottom of the issue and um, you know, best of luck to iSpace during their, their return to flight. 
Um, that being said, um, nothing else from my side in iSpace or One Changjian. Anything to add, or do you want to move into the Tianwen One updates? I think it's just on on the iSpace failure. I think it's amazing how engineers can track down the issue to a very small piece of rubber. I mean, that is already a feat in itself, uh, for sure. Um, but moving on to the next piece of news, the Tianwen One orbiter. China's Tianwen One orbiter has been serving as a data relay satellite for the Zhurong rover ever since the Zhurong lander and rover detached from the orbiter to perform a landing on Mars on May the 15th. And since then, the rover has roamed happily the Martian surface and traveled a total of 1,253 meters as of November the 8th and over a period of 174 Martian days, also called SOLS. Now, last week on November the 8th, the orbiter completed some orbital maneuvers, firing its four 120 Newton thrust thrusters during a period of 260 seconds to change its orbit to a new one that would be much more favorable to space sciences. Now, let's explain that a little bit. Prior to last Monday's maneuvers, the Tianwen-1 orbiter was in a so-called data relay orbit with a period of 8.2 hours. And relaying data back to the Earth was its dominant mission, so the orbit was naturally optimized for exactly that. And what this means is that the periapsis, which is the point in an orbit where you're closest to the planet's surface, was always over Zhurong, which enabled optimal communications between the orbiter and the rover. But of course, this is not ideal for space sciences because also the periapsis, the closest point you are to the surface, is also the point where you have the highest resolution for any imaging instrument. And unfortunately for space sciences, even if the Tianwen-1 instruments were switched on while they were always imaging at the highest resolution, the same patch of land. Now with the new orbit, this is no longer the case. The new orbit has some changes. It has a closer apoapsis, uh, uh, 10,700 kilometers instead of 15,000. It has a similar periapsis of 265 kilometers. It has a slightly shorter period of 7.08 hours. So in terms of resolution, not that much of a change, but perhaps the biggest change here is that the periapsis is now shifting from the north to the southern pole, from the northern pole back to the southern pole. And this means that the entire Martian surface can be mapped over a period of 200 days, according to a report by CCTV. And so this will be completed again, according to the CCTV report by June 2022. Now, another quick point on the Tianwen-1 instruments. The Tianwen-1 orbiter has a total of seven instruments. You have two particle analyzers, you have two cameras, you have a medium-res one and a high-res one, you have a magnetometer to map the Martian magnetic field, you have a mineralogical spectrometer to investigate the mineral composition of the Martian surface, and finally, you have a Mars subsurface radar instrument called Cibiao to detect and map the presence of surface and perhaps especially subsurface Ice. And it seems that six out of these seven instruments were already activated and operational during uh, the data relay orbit, the data relay phase of the Tianwen-1 orbiter, but one was switched off. And according to an interview of the deputy chief designer of the Tianwen-1 orbiter, Zhu Xinbo, as Tianwen-1 enters the remote sensing orbit, it will, and it probably already has, deployed the four antennas that compose this final instrument, the subsurface radar. So um, some really cool stuff happening with the uh, Tianwen-1 orbiter over the past week. I guess that this will probably mean uh, more images that will be shared uh, with the public and more scientific data. So that's definitely something to celebrate from a space science's point of view. Um, 
Blaine, any final thoughts uh, on Tin One One or some of the other points before uh, we wrap up this week? Um, all good on Tin One One. Definitely, it's a uh, it's an interesting update. So, um, just a couple of small housekeeping points. So, first, um, special shout out to our good friends at SpaceWatch.Global and Go Taikonauts. And um, just a small point to any of our regular viewers or listeners: we're experimenting a little bit with shorter intros and with a couple of other you know related things. So, if you have any thoughts or feedback, um, you know feel free to give us a shout. This is one of the reasons that we sent our shout out to our good friends at the end of this episode rather than the beginning. So always happy to hear your feedback. Um, and uh, as we've mentioned before, if you are interested in more updates, we have 10 updates, additional updates this week in our newsletter. I, I would know we've, we've just finished up the, the list now. So quite a lot of updates there. If you're interested, head over to newsletter.dongfanghour.com. We send it every Monday at... 6 p.m. Beijing time. Um, other than that, nothing else from my side. Uh, Jean, we all good? We're all good. Cool. Well, then, this is uh, this has been another episode of the Dongfang Hour China Space News Roundup. This for the week of the 8th to 14th of November, 2021. I'm Blaine Curcio, joined as always by my co-host, John DeVille, and we will see you next week. See you next week. Bye.